What I needed to find was my curiosity and what I was interested in. I didn't know what that was in high school, and I, I didn't know what that was until probably like, yeah, my second year of college. You know, if I could talk to my high school self, I would tell her to just chill out and like do the things you love. Hello, welcome everyone to the Straight Ahead Animation Podcast, where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Ray Mendoza-Landa, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okumura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Cynthia Fury. She is a Hapa, Vietnamese, Italian, and Irish writer working as a staff writer for Nickelodeon. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, my name is Cynthia, and I was born in Phoenix. I moved to LA when I was two, so I consider myself a native. <laughs> um, I started my writing career as a journalist. I worked as a food writer for the Orange County Register and the Zagat Restaurant Guides. Um, I did that for about eight years, and then I made a change to screenwriting, and I haven't looked back, and it's been quite a ride. That, that is wild to me. I, I'm so excited cool. to dive it's into so that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. But before we get into your career, uh, the way you like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. <laughs> Okay. It'll be fun. It feels like a psychology <laughs> Yes, we're going to tell all about you by the end of this. Yeah, I love it. Just give me my diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll start us off with the first question. It's already laughing. <laughs> Is this okay? Who's more? You you, you I, made I this. this. You, I, I, you, I, I, you I, made I your bed this. in I did this. this myself. <laughs> Who's more of a daddy? King Trident oh, from The Little Mermaid or Zeus from Hercules? Okay, let me actually look up Zeus because I don't remember what it looks like. But you know what? You know, that actually is the answer to my question. If I have to look up Zeus and I know who, what King Trident looks like, he's more daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm. He's more daddy. He's more daddy than Zeus. Oh my god, what a question. <laughs> I know. Like, what an I, answer. I was like, I was like, we haven't never asked a question like this. I don't know why this one came to my mind. I was like, this will be fun. And then I like, this is really good, right? This is fun. I'm having a great time. Yeah, no, I just looked him up. I stand by my answer. It's King Triton, like, all the way. Okay. (laughs) Because, yeah, it was like something I recently discovered, too. Like, I think, like, a lot of, um, like, a lot of people do like King Triton. A lot of people, like, do see him as a daddy. I mean, he He is daddy. He is daddy. He's dead. King of, king of the oceans, king of the sea. King of yes, the oceans. He has a trident. He's, he, dude, he's tits out. He's, he's got huge. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, how, what about you, Yuki? Between, between Zeus and King Trident, who are you going for? I just feel like, I mean, uh, Trident also has the scare factor, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess so. Like yeah, Zeus yeah. is a little more. I feel like he's a dad, but he's like real goofy, right? He's the kind of like I tell dad jokes kind of dad. True. He's not like true, true, he's true. Not like a daddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can All see. Right, you. Right. I can see you. I can see it. Right, answer the cursed question. <laughs> I maybe maybe because I want someone more humorous, but I would actually. 
I would okay. say Zeus is more of a daddy to me, <laughs> in in my opinion. Okay. And like again, this is not like this is this Zeus is different from like like the the actual Zeus, but like the actual Zeus is so fucking promiscuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're just talking about Disney, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Disney just, yeah, just re- Hercules yeah, yeah. Zeus. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think like ah, uh, like yeah, dude. Like he can like he can control thunder. He has like a nice chiseled beard. Like he's he's basically chiseled. Like he has like he's he's just chiseled. Like I don't know. I think I think I would have to go with a uh, yeah. I would have to go with Zeus. I think I think Zeus is more daddy right. for me. <laughs> oh my god! My wife is gonna get so mad at this question. <laughs> we should clip that for the <laughs> clip that for the promo. <laughs> oh man! All right, amazing. Final question. Which Looney Tunes spinoff would you rather be a part of? Tiny Toon Adventures or Lunatics Unleashed? Tiny Toon Adventures, 100%. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'd rather be, rather be a baby Looney yeah. Tune? I, I just, I watched <laughs> Tiny Toon Adventures religiously in my youth. I had the cereal. I wanted to be Babs Bunny. Like, I remember going to, like, Universal oh City. Oh, my God. <laughs> Universal Studios. I, was, I went there with my mom, and, like, she got me a little Babs Bunny, like, pendant at one of the stores, and I wore it, like, all the time until I lost it. And so it, it would totally be Tiny Toon Adventures. Dude, Babs and Buster. Yeah, yeah for the, for the longest time, I thought a Buster was Bugs. So I was like, when did, when did Bugs go from blue to gray? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize they were separate characters as a kid. I don't know. Both both are great. I remember watching both of them. I remember very vividly, correct me if I'm wrong. There's an episode of Tiny Toons where they get drunk, right? I don't remember that. Probably like child drunk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel know. like they drink something. I remember the daffy looking one being drunk oh, and stuff wow. with the with the porkers. Uh, but I think between the two, it's hard for me because like, again, Lunatics Unleashed only ever had one season yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. it was their attempt to like make the looney tunes angsty and cool like it was like very like it gave me very batman beyond feels with the with the futuristic yeah. sci-fi yeah, kind of look with the characters like oh wow bugs money mm-hmm. as an action hero that's cool taz mm-hmm. lola daffy it was it was cool i remember being hyped for it i don't remember like i remember watching it i don't remember a lot of it again i it only got one season so we can already we probably didn't do that well, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but damn! I think just for like the aesthetic, I would want to be a. I would want to be a part of Lunatics Unleashed. It'd be cool to be like a hero, a color coded yeah. hero, uh, mm-hmm. with black outfit, uh, accent and color. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would. I would go with that. I think. I think that'd be cool. What What about you, Yuki? This is my secret fandom, Lunatics Unleashed. Oh, That's yeah? not true. I did. I I did really like Lunatics Unleashed, though. I just I liked the idea that like the cartoon physics is their superpowers. I just think that's really cool, and like especially like Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner. I was like, that translates well. Like he's just he's just super fast, and the other guy's super smart. I like. I really liked that. Aww. I thought it was really fun. Um. I also did love Tiny Toons. I'm not going to knock that, mm-hmm. but it just no, Tiny Toons uh, was great. I I did love the like it was also at that point where like my child's brain was becoming I think I was like maybe in middle yeah. school or something. 
I don't remember. Which one for but... Lunatics Unleashed or for Tiny Toon? <laughs> for Lunatics no, Unleashed, yeah, it, was, it was middle school. Well, like, for me, I for me, so. for so me, it was, was like school. the perfect timing for like my middle school brain being like, they're making it like the cartoon. It's edgy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> like I was the exact demographic they were trying to hone in on. Because <laughs> I think I think it was 2005 when Lunatics Unleashed came out. I think it was yeah, 2005, that, and like, and I think that was also around the time where like Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds was also coming out, where like Yu-Gi-Oh! like oh card games on motorcycles. So it was like Dude, every, everything edgy was coming out around that time. Everything kind of like darker, oh, wow. and like I was, yeah, uh, it was in that transition of like elementary to high school for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, elementary, elementary to middle. I think I would like Tiny Toons Adventures more now. I feel like there was a lot of those sort of like hidden adult jokes in oh, there yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if I like rewatched it now, I think I would really like it. But just. From middle school me, I'm going to go with Lunatics. <laughs> yeah. I also, you know, Ray and I, we're Power Rangers fans, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's nice. the same. <laughs> they're just, they're just the Power Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. There was also, like, a Tiny Toons, like, Nintendo game that I played in my youth. Oh. Like, I remember that. Like, on Super Nintendo? Or no, on, like, handheld, like, Game Boy? You guys, oh. I'm old. <laughs> 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 oh man well uh, on that lovely note <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much to see for playing in between with us <laughs> yeah that was rad you guys <laughs> and then if you want to hear the extended version of the in between questions and find out what else we asked Cynthia be sure to support us and subscribe to us on Kofi. you can find us at ko-fi.com forward slash straight ahead AP and if this is your first time tuning in, please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP to stay up to date whenever we upload a new episode. You can also follow myself at Radio Silence, both on Twitter and Instagram. Or, no, just Instagram at this point. You can find me at Radio Silence on, on Instagram. <laughs> and you can follow me at Choodles on Instagram as well. Without... Further ado, uh, thanks again, Cynthia, for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to interview you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited and kind of worried. <laughs> no, <laughs> not worried. <laughs> no, everything should be a-okay. Nothing to worry about here. <laughs> uh, to start off, could you tell us how you first got your start working in the animation industry as a staff writer? Yes. So a lot of it was luck. But, you know, I did mm -hmm. work super hard. So I had... I'd gone through the CBS diversity program and then I'd also done mm. the Sesame Writers Workshop. Mm -hmm. And then like after the Sesame Workshop, I went back to my assistant gig. I was doing like a month of meetings with like um, executives and like head writers I had met through Sesame. And from there, I landed my first freelance script on uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, which was so cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then so yeah. I had like my first, first like songwriting experience, my first like episode oh. experience, like we mm -hmm. got to write songs. Yeah, it was rad. And that I think just having that one credit, like super helped me get my, uh, my staff writing gig, you know, it was just easier because I was already kind of vetted, I guess. And that, yeah. that I will say was just being in the right place at the right time and being prepared. Like I had a few friends that went through the Cape Fellowship, the Coalition uh, of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment, and they have like a listserv mm. among all their fellows. And um, I think the director had sent out an email that said that Disney was looking for some Asian writers to be on mm -hmm. this like new show that they were going to have. 
And, you know, my friends knew that I wanted to go into animation. They knew I had this like, you know, kid sample and um, they recommended me for it. And Mm -hmm. Michelle was gracious enough to send my my script along with some of the other like fellows that she she was recommending. Mm. And and that was that. Like I I met with the the EPs, uh, Bill Motz and Bob Ross, and they're like amazing people. I remember being so nervous before the interview that. I was at like an Olive Garden like an hour before like drinking like a blue Hawaii and so like, my tongue was blue and I was like uh. slightly liquored up <laughs> but really not really because it's an Olive Garden drink and there's like no liquor there's like no liquor in it like but I had nothing to really worry about you know I just mm-hmm. I had terrible anxiety I worry about everything but mm-hmm. but they were just so wonderful and so disarming and it was a fantastic it didn't feel like a meeting, you know, it felt like a conversation. Mm. And mm. I was at ease. And from there, like, they offered me the gig. And, and then I, I started my first staff writing gig. And I believe two of the other staff writers also got their gigs through Cape too. Cape, they were also Cape recommendations. Mm-hmm. That's really great. I, That's amazing. Yeah. So something I'm actually really curious about, because um, a few of the writers that we've brought on have been from like the Sesame Street workshop. And yeah. you've also done the CBS program. I'm kind of curious, what was like the compare and contrast between going through both of those programs oh wow yeah okay so cbs was more geared to like adult tv you know we had drama writers and we had comedy writers so um Mm -hmm. that was very business heavy like we you know we we'd gotten into the program because we all knew how to write you know like we'd gotten in through the merit of our samples that we sent in and and the program it was beautiful it was it was like you go in once a week and and carol kirshner and Jeannie ma would teach you the business side of Hollywood, the business side of being a, a, a new writer in a writer's room, like what etiquette is like and, and what to expect and, you know, hierarchy stuff and how to mm-hmm. deal with sexual harassment. And okay. <laughs> you know, you it's think, so important. It yeah, really is. You know, yes. and it's, it's sad when, when you think about it, but it was it was just mm-hmm. such a beautifully structured program that I got a lot of business stuff out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we wrote pilots with mentors outside of the program like there was no I, I cannot remember but I believe there was no um, time where we shared our pilot like in the room with with the others we were strictly there mm. to be together and to like learn the business it, you know okay with Sesame Street we did do a fair amount of writing like um, together we, we we all knew what pilots we were working on and every week we would do a different stage of the writing process you know we'd come in and mm. we present like three ideas we had Everybody would would weigh in. We would choose one. Next week, we would come in and we would write, I think it was like a one pager or something. And so we would get notes from showrunners, like they would come in. And um, yeah, it was that part was really cool. So I I think like, for me, having gone through both programs, I got the best of both worlds. Like I got just a very solid sort of like business Hollywood 101 class um, from CBS. And from Sesame, I got like, I got to know what it felt like to get notes from showrunners and like, yeah. you got to sort of like, cause people give notes in different ways, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was super cool. Yeah. Those are the main awesome. differences. essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's kind of great getting um, those. Cause to me, um, hearing like the programs and stuff, like, is there such a thing as like a writing internship or is it more like fellowships and stuff? That's kind of where people who are trying to get into writing kind of get their experience or trying to like get, greater insight into how the industry works. Yeah, I think as far as I know, there aren't any like internships in writer's rooms. 
that where you get to actually write, like, I think mm-hmm. there's probably like legal reasons. Like you probably have to be part of like the unions or, or something uh, that like makes that. makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. but I, I'm actually not really sure. Like there could, but at least it's, in my experience, I have not come across any like writing interns. But there have been production interns and there have been um, who have like I an guess, interest in writing. Yeah. 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 And, and mm-hmm. I think I think the equivalent of a writing internship in a room is when you're a writer's assistant. And those jobs yeah. are pretty mm-hmm. hard to, to come by. Like they're, you, they're usually not advertised. You kind of have to know somebody and mm-hmm. at least from what I have seen, you know, but yeah. that's sort of where it seems a lot of writers get their start from, you know, they get to be a writer's assistant, they take notes in the room, they hear what the idea is going back and forth, they learn the rhythm of the different rooms that they're in. And then usually they'll get to write like a script, you know, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. like on Molly, like our writer's assistant, I think she wrote like four scripts. She was really good. She she was good. So, you know, you get a chance to prove yourself like in that way. But but yeah, Mm -hmm. again, like as far as I know, um, there aren't, any, I can't think of any any writing intern I've I've come across in the shows that I've worked on. Mm-hmm. So something else I kind of want to dive deeper into before you kind of got your start in animation, you actually uh, were a food editor and a journalist for Orange County for about eight to ten years. What made you want to transition to being a screenwriter? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Like I love food. I love food. I love mm. cooking. It's it's still like a, a passion of mine. It's still a hobby of mine. Like, But when I was working at the newspaper, it was around the time when newspapers were dying, right? Like like there was okay, starting yeah. to be no need for mm-hmm. any. We had an eight page, the, the Orange County Register had an eight page food section. It was the James Beard Award winning food section. And I was watching it like <laughs> I was watching pages, pages getting like slashed from it. And so by the time I left, it was like three and a half, four pages. And it was like mostly like ads and stuff. And so it was really like heartbreaking, you know? So mm-hmm. I knew that mm-hmm. if I wanted to continue writing, I had to do something else. And and the other thing I will also say is that journalism was fabulous. I loved it, but there was always something that was kind of missing for me. And I couldn't Mm. sort of, you know, it was like a hollow feeling that I had. I don't really know how to put it into words. It just sort of felt like in my chest, in my body, it was like, I'm doing this. I'm having a really great time, but mm, hollow, not quite fulfilling. Right. So, yeah. So one day I just, I was watching TV. I don't remember what it was, but there was like a behind the scenes where, where maybe it was a DVD. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I remember there was like some sort of behind the scenes where they were like talking to writers in a writer's room. And then. I was like, oh, people actually do this? That's, why is this anything I've ever thought about? I, I grew up in Los Angeles. Like, this is uh-huh. weird. So, so I started to research it. And I started to think, you know, this actually might be great. I loved writing fiction when I was a kid. I wrote tons of stories. And, and I thought maybe what's missing for me is the fiction aspect. Because you can't make shit up in journalism. It's like entirely mm-hmm. frowned upon. <laughs> like, you shouldn't be doing that. So, so I started taking classes. I started writing specs of episodes and I loved it. I felt at home. It was just a really nice, like I've come home feeling like I'm kicking off my shoes. Like this is kind of where I want to live. So, mm-hmm. um, so I wrote this episode of the office and I submitted it to this like tiny ass like contest and I tied mm-hmm. for first place. 
And oh, like, wow. I never got my prize money. It was like a thousand dollars. They never gave it to me. And this contest like does not exist anymore. And it was so shady. <laughs> but, but, like, but it was all I needed to think, all right, I'm going to quit journalism. And I'm going to do the screenwriting. <laughs> I can't believe, I'm, I'm shocked uh, that it was actually, I'm shocked that it was fake more than anything. Oh my God. Also, you I'm see, just it like. It wasn't fake. It was a woman. Okay. Like. I won't get okay, super... Okay, well, or that they never delivered your... They never gave me my money. Bond, and, and but they the never delivered anything. The told me it was because, um, like, her, she had a business partner, and her business partner, like, stole money from her, and I was like, oh, I guess this is my first taste of Hollywood. Like, this is just how it goes. Like, <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was like, you, you, you know... You got exposure. That's, <laughs> yeah, what, that's what you got. Oh, my God, what a scandal. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, I look back on it, and I laugh, because, like, of course it would start that way for me. <laughs> But it gave you the motivation. It gave you the motivation. Yeah, that's true. And that's worth way more than a thousand (laughs) dollars. But a thousand dollars would be nice. (laughs) But also unclear because I tied for first place. Would I have had to split that? Like, would we both get a thousand dollars, or would we have five hundred? Yeah, I think I would have been like five hundred or something. Like wherever that woman is, I hope she's okay. I hope she found better business partners. But yeah, that was that was wild. And so, yeah, then then I decided, OK, like I need to start like I need to move back to Los Angeles because I was you know, living in Irvine at the time. And mm-hmm. and then, yeah, mm-hmm. like I just kept taking classes until things started happening, you know, and it was a rough go. You know, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to break in like when you don't know anybody and and, yeah. and even hard to break in when you do know people, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just, for sure. The only thing I could control was to just get better at writing. You know, like I, I would use contests and fellowships as sort of a litmus test for how my writing was. Like if I submitted a script, you know, say like Austin Film Festival and I didn't hear anything then I knew, OK, I needed to work on that script. Like I need to get better at this. Like but if I if I, you know, got past like certain rounds, I'd be like, OK, good. I'm on the right track. I can I can measure my progress that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good way to view it. I like Thanks, that. Yeah. And then the, the thing for me, that's also I find really interesting because we've had other guests before where they made that career shift, whether they had a background in engineering yeah. or they had a background in like traveling stuff. Uh, but the thing is, is that like yours, like was kind of like, I guess, tangential in the sense of like you, you are. It seems like the fact that you were working for Orange County and you're doing these food uh, editorials and, and journalism. You already had uh, good, great writing skills. Yeah. So the fact that you're kind of just using those writing skills in a different way. Yeah. Kind of like you weren't learning something brand new uh, mm-hmm. versus somebody who's like, oh, I'm an engineer and I've always had an interest in drawing. OK, I just spent yes, time it's in this degree different. and now like total career <laughs> shift, total gear change, total like everything. But like yours is kind of like at least very similar. Of course, of course, they're very different. And that's kind yeah. of like what I want to kind of ask is that. Are there any skills from your editorial days that transferred unexpectedly well into your screenwriting? Absolutely. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm thankful for it. Like I, you know, because I interviewed so many people, I got to sort of like listen to people's like the rhythms, the way they talk and how people answer questions. And so mm-hmm. I got really good at, at dialogue. And, you know, like when you're interviewing people, you've got like hours and hours of footage and you have to sort of pick out the quotes that that work for the story that you're trying to tell and and mm. all mm-hmm. of that like studying people and and getting to know people and and um just listening to people talk listening to different voices that definitely definitely helped me mm. learn how or just like write dialogue you know i, I think yeah. i had a leg up in in that way in which i wasn't starting from scratch because technically i was sort of transcribing dialogue <laughs> you know? right yeah <laughs> 
Also, mm-hmm. like I just journalism has a certain structure to it. So I knew going into screenwriting that I would have to learn another structure. So I was very open mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, to learning this, this new like three act structure, like type thing. Mm-hmm. So, so that came, that came pretty easy to me structure, I think, because I like having a foundation to lay things on. Mm-hmm. And so I will yeah. say that like when I'm in the room or when I'm, you know, having a meeting for a potential gig, like I will say, like, I'm the structure person. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. find the holes. I'm going to know where all that is. We're going to make connections. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, because that's, that's one thing that I learned um, through both the programs, like CBS and, and Sesame, was that, like, they both say it in different ways, but like putting together a, writing, a writer's room is like putting together a baseball team where, like, everybody's got their specialty. Like, somebody's a pitcher, somebody's really good at, like, I don't know, left field or whatever. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So you want to know kind of going in like what your strengths are so that yeah. like, like you could be that person in the room. Cause it, right. mm-hmm. it's rare that somebody is good at like everything and all things, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody mm-hmm. could be like a super amazing joke machine, but be terrible at structure and like mm-hmm. vice versa, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so if you, if you could just like figure out what your strengths are and like really lean into those, I think uh, that helps when you're, uh, when you're taking these meetings. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's very similar to how it is on the art side as well, yeah. where especially like in board artists, it's kind of like when you build out your team, you kind of want somebody that's re- that's pretty well rounded that they can kind of fill any gap mm-hmm. that needs to be filled. But you have the people like, oh, this person's good at action. This person's mm-hmm. good at comedy. This person's good at sweet, tender moments. And you just kind of want to build out a team to make sure you kind of have your bases yeah. covered. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the next thing I kind of want to segue into is that while writing for Disney TV's uh, The Ghost and Molly McGee, you also um, left to kind of co-produce a live action show for Apple. How was that experience? And then what made you kind of come back? Well, it was excruciating. Like, <laughs> because it was a decision that I didn't want to make. I wanted to work on uh-huh. those shows. Like, uh-huh. I loved Molly McGee. Molly McGee was, I just fell in love with all the characters. I loved her family. I loved how heartfelt it was. Like, like on season one, I got to, I think I got to write a lot of the really heartfelt episodes and I, I, I mm. loved it. You know, you just fall in love. At least I did. I fell in love with like practically mm. all of the characters and, and we had a good time, you know, for the most part, yeah. we had a really good time. But I, I also had an opportunity, like uh, somebody in the Sesame program recommended me for this show that was, that was happening. And so I sent my stuff over to them and I got, I got a meeting and, and they were pitching. Um, so the show is Hello, Jack, the kindness show and it's on Apple. And it's with Jack McBrayer. And they were pitching it as like turning Jack McBrayer into the next uh, Mr. Rogers. And I thought, wow, that's rad. <laughs> like, let's do that. You know, so it was, yeah. it, was, it was a thing where like, I had to choose between, you know, spending another year with these characters that I super, super love, mm. or building a show, another show from like the ground up, like helping. I love working on season one shows. I think I've learned mm. this about myself over mm-hmm. the past few years. Like Molly season one, amazing, right? And then I did, um, I call it the Jack show, but it's Hello Jack. Like getting to build, again, like that foundation. I really like foundations. And and like mm-hmm. having a say in like what this world is going to look like and what the character is going to be like and, and what is mm-hmm. essentially like the ground floor for however many seasons it'll last. And I couldn't, right. 
I couldn't say no to that because like I'm kind of into that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was tough, you guys. It was yeah. really <laughs> tough. <laughs> because also when you work for Disney Animation, and I don't know that they do this anymore, but you get a silver pass and you get to go to Disneyland all the time. <laughs> I <laughs> so, think that for pretty much all of their employees. Yeah. Yeah. D- Disney says it's perks. Yeah. yeah, there are perks. There was free cereal. <laughs> like I just, it was great. I love cereal. so how would you also compare like having experience like you know writing for animation working for like in the cartoon space versus doing something live action yeah um i wish i could give you a better answer than this um but because it was covid like Mm, i didn't uh go on set like it was mostly the same right it was like everybody was on zoom Um, We were all breaking story in roughly the same way. Like we were all having, you know, some of the same meetings. So I didn't get the full live action experience. Like there was one day Mm -hmm. when the set was dark and they let the writers come on, you know, just so we could Mm -hmm. actually see the set and um, make changes to our scripts. Because like there were quite a few changes we had to make because we couldn't we couldn't gauge (laughs) like how tall things were on the set. Like so actually Uh, being there was like super helpful. But yeah, I wish I'd gotten more of the experience of like being on set, like and helping to produce the episodes, you know, but Mm -hmm. we were in the middle of pandemic and, and they made everybody stay home and they should have. (laughs) Like we we all needed (laughs) to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, because there are different titles when working in animation versus working in live action, when uh, you say co-produce in a live action series, does that just mean you're a writer or like you're on staff or like, what does that mean? It does. Or do you have, are you like in a producing role? Like, I guess, yeah. I mean, yes, in a, in a non-pandemic world, it would have been more of a producing role, Mm -hmm. but it is also just another way to say like higher level writer. You know, it's like you, you start off as a staff writer, generally you spend hopefully, you know, no more than 22 episodes, I think, or maybe 24. I can't remember what the number is, the WJ, but like after a certain mm-hmm. amount of episodes you do, you move up to story editor and then you do executive story editor and then you do co-producer and then it goes, I think, supervising. But it's just, mm-hmm. you're all, you're still writing. Like you're still writing. You're just, it's just another, it's just another way to say writer. And I guess maybe it, gives, yeah, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. it does like unlock more like producing abilities, you know? Yeah. yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so super interesting. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good question. That's something I, I like, was kind of curious about myself mm-hmm. as well. Just the, I think, I think, it, I think it changes between like you know, obviously medias, but I think just also studios just tend to like tile things differently, and they yeah. can honestly just be the same role yeah. sometimes. But it's interesting to see like um, just your responsibilities and the credit that you're given. I think you do get more responsibility in the room too, you know, like the higher mm-hmm. you title, like if the people above you are, are often another meeting, then you're running the room. Right. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like defer to you. Yeah. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you kind of touched on this a bit saying that like you discovered about yourself that you really like being there in season one, kind of really mm-hmm. building up the world and building out who these characters are. And from working on a variety of different series, such as uh, the ghost and Molly McGee, Unlimited Squirrels, My Adventures of Superman, and the current show you're working on, Tiny Chef, on Nickelodeon. What type of shows kind of have you noticed about yourself that you really enjoy writing for? I have enjoyed aspects of every show that I've worked on. Mm. I Mm. will, like, my answer to this is like, well, I mean, it's whatever show will have me, of course. (laughs) 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 Like, you know, if I I could choose, like, in a a dream world, like, it would be like an animated comedy show. And I've... Mm been essentially doing that you know it's, it's like i love comedy i love kids comedy because it's like fresh and wonderful and 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 
it's just so bright, you know, like I just, and, mm-hmm. and especially during the pandemic when everybody, you know, was depressed and sad and we were all living in our, you know, we couldn't see our friends, you know, it was like yeah. devoid of human contact, like outside of our homes, you know, like kids animation was just the savior, you know, cause like, it's like you wake up, oh, we're still in a pandemic, but I get to go to work and I get to, you know, hang out with this like loving, wonderful family and Molly and, and, and write these loving, wonderful, funny stories, you know? So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I'm doing it, you know, and also like, I love a challenge like Superman for me was a challenge because I'd never written a fight scene before. It's a little older than than I normally write. And I mm-hmm. loved that. I loved that I could do it. You know, I think, yeah, I, I don't really know how else to say it. I just like, it's sort of like, when, <laughs> Dumb. This is so dumb, you guys. But it's kind of <laughs> like when you die in a video game and you're respawned somewhere in the game. <laughs> you don't really know where it is, like, but you're just there, <laughs> and then you just make the most of it. Like, I, I always have the ability to just like, like, find what I like in whatever I'm doing. Like, I think that's a, mm-hmm. I think that's a gift. Like, I, I that's great. Know. No, it's, it's it's honestly something I feel like more students or people should kind of take note of like there's always going to be aspects of your job or like when you're in school like a class that you just don't like or not vibing with but like if you can find some kind of joy out of it just kind of make it feel like it wasn't pointless or worthless like it, it can get you through it you know yeah. and if you can find that in any project or any assignment it's just gonna help you get through the day versus mm-hmm. making it versus you kind of just dragging your feet being like I just don't want to do this mm-hmm. thing yeah I don't know if this is anything, but I have to kind of ask, does writing on Tiny Chef bring you back to your food editorial days? Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't know if you could talk about Tiny Chef since it's not oh out. But <laughs> when they offered me the job on Tiny Chef, it was like all of my universes collided together. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I was I was made for this job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it, it was just. You know, when we're thinking of recipes that, you know, chef is going to make for each episode, like I get to weigh in like pretty heavily on that. Like I'm the food that's person awesome. in this room, which is great. <laughs> but, you know, that's not to say that others don't know like a ton about food. Like, like, no, no, yeah, totally actually not. Yeah. pretty food sta- savvy. But yeah, it's just it, you know, if we're talking about home, like I was talking about like home earlier and how screenwriting felt like home. this feels like beanbag chair home. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a comfy couch anymore. It's like a real comfy, like worn in beanbag chair where I'm like. Yeah, because like, I think, I think that the biggest thing for me is I just want to feel useful in a room, right? And so mm-hmm. that's why I think like, I mean, and I think that's true for humans, like, we just want to feel useful, we want to feel like we have a purpose, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're a young writer trying to break in, like, I'd say, like, figure out like what you're super good at, like, lean into that aspect of the writing process. And that can be your purpose in the room. And so for Tiny Chef, for me, it's like, I'm the food person, I also do structure. But hey, I'm the mm-hmm. food person. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really great. I'm glad, I'm glad that you're on a show that takes your past life and brings it into like your the past foreground. Life. <laughs> so weird. Like I remember, I just I was I sat down and I was just like, "What is my life? Like how did this happen?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm happy. Like Thank amazing. you, universe. I actually love like... that so much. Oh <laughs> um, I guess talking about kind of your past life, something I kind of want to ask, like looking back at your education at, U- at UC Irvine and then at, and also at the Orange Coast College, how do you feel like that prepared you for, I guess, your first career and then your new career in animation? Okay. I took a very weird kind of college 
trip in that I actually went to Cal State Long Beach for a semester before mm, okay. any of this. And, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So then I left Cal State Long Beach and I went to El Camino College. And that's where I found journalism. Like I got heavily mm. involved in the journalism program there. Like I knew I was really good at like writing and English. And I actually thought like, oh, I guess I'll be a teacher, but I hate public speaking. So it just sounded horrible. But I took a, a journalism <laughs> one class instead of, I think, an English 101 class or something. And I loved mm -hmm. it. Again, like I loved the structure. I loved getting to talk to people. And that experience, I was there for like two years and I was like editor of the paper and I was editor of the magazine. And it was it was rad. Like I found what I like to do. And I was like, OK, I'm going to be a journalist. And then I went to UC Irvine and I took a few because they didn't have journalism classes there, but I was on the paper there. But I was mm -hmm. an English major there and I loved just sort of reading and you know, all the, the English canon and stuff like that. Like, I loved all that. So it, it felt like UC Irvine, it's a bad thing, this, but like, it feels like it didn't quite prepare me for journalism and that the community mm -hmm. college, El Camino did. Mm. But I really enjoyed my time at UC Irvine. You know, I loved mm -hmm. being on the paper and I loved just like settling in with all these like great authors, you know? So mm -hmm. maybe, maybe what it gave me was just like the time to really explore like different styles of writing or, or you know like it, it was a good experience but I, I don't think it was quite as technical as like journalism was for me at El Camino College and mm -hmm. you know Orange Coast College I went after I graduated from UC Irvine because I was already working at the at the OC register I was a news assistant and I was trying to like break into the food section <laughs> so, <laughs> so so when they started giving me, like, I remember they gave me like really small stories to start with. Like I had a three inch story, which, you know, something like 350 words uh, or maybe oh, even less uh -huh. about a new fork that was coming out. It was like, oh, is, is, that, is that what like inch means? Like inch means like a hundred words, like how I it would be so. like, you on know, a page. It's been wow, so long, but it's like 80 uh -huh. to 100 words, maybe like, so yeah, I wrote like a tiny little like you know, tiny obituary sized like article about like Aww. forks. <laughs> I, I, I love jargon like that. I like hearing oh. jargon in different <laughs> industries. You're just hearing like, oh, I got, I had to write, I got a three inch report or whatever. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't, what is that? Isn't I, that I fascinating? Yeah. 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 And it was, it was great. And so, so as they started to give me, I guess, more inches, because I proved myself <laughs> as a writer there, like, then mm. I was like, Okay, like this was actually this was around the time that I was starting to write restaurant reviews. Like we, oh, we had and she actually might still be working there. Um, I think her name was Elizabeth Evans. She did most of the like sort of higher end restaurants at um, in Orange County. And there are a lot of them. Uh, and they needed somebody to cover like, you know, sort of the mom and pop stuff around. And so mm -hmm. I started to do that. And, and for me, I felt like a little bit deficient because like, it was also sort of like an imposter syndrome thing where I was like, who am I to give somebody an opinion about what I think? This is tasty. This is not tasty. Like, what are other ways I can say this? And so mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I'll go to culinary school. And so so I found um, that Orange Coast College, which was really close to where the OC Register was, um, rest in mm -hmm. peace, that building is no longer there. And I, I spent two and a half years, like I did my bosses at the OC Register were rad in that they like allowed me to take a couple days off a week mm. so that I could go do these classes. And then I would make up those hours on the weekend. <laughs> so I was really tired. But oh. I was like, I was learning so much. And I was so grateful to, like for them to be so great with my schedule, you know. And so that's why I went to culinary school, because it was like, if it was a deficiency that I felt I had in that, like, I need to learn more about what I'm writing about. Like, I need to know. Mm -hmm 
why ingredients like work the way they do, like why we cut things the way they do, like what an actual side of beef looks like and, and how do we cut this into, you know, smaller pieces that we're all familiar with, you know, and, um, and I had a great time. I had a really, really great time. And I do not know if I answered your question. <laughs> but I, no, I, did. Did. I think you did. You yeah, did. Because I, I was going to say, because like one of the things I feel like we learn in college, but we I feel like when we're out there in the real world, sometimes we forget just because deadlines are real and like just our time gets really busy. But like how you were saying how you didn't really feel like you knew what you were talking about. You wanted more greater insight. Yeah. You went and kind of like researched or got more experience so you can have uh, more authenticity into what you're saying or more credibility in what you're saying yeah. mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar in like art as well where it's like we're drawing things and sometimes we don't really know what we're drawing so sometimes we need to take reference or we need to actually research about like hey like what kind of like if you're trying to do a forest scene okay what kind of trees are actually in a forest or like what it's usually like kind of where a forest located yeah. near like i really want to draw this city scene but which city do i want to kind of base it off chicago do i want to base it off new york do i want to base it off la like or when you're drawing a character, like it's what's the character's background, kind of trying to bring more credibility or authenticity into what you're drawing and designing. And sometimes we forget to kind of research and kind of give ourselves more authenticity in what we do. And I feel like that's the thing where you really need to get in that mindset of like take the time to yes. research and learn and get experience in what you want to bring to the page. Yeah. And it's, I think also the curiosity is a big part of it, right? Like it, you want to be interested in, in what you're doing. And I think like, I don't know if this helps any of the, you know, high school students or anything listening to this, but mm-hmm. I was a terrible student, you guys, in high school. Like, I <laughs> I only got A's in, like, in English and, like, semantics. And, and I didn't really know what to do with that. It was just something that I was good at. I didn't know how to turn that into a career. Like, I hated math. I had to take Algebra mm-hmm. 1 and Algebra 2 twice. <laughs> like, so, so I was pretty lost, you know, I went to like mm. a college and I didn't like it. I went to another college and that was great. And then I find, you know, like I went to three different colleges, you guys. So mm. what I needed to find was my curiosity and what I was interested in. I didn't know what that was in high school. And I, I didn't know what that was until probably like, yeah, my second year of college, like after I left Cal mm-hmm. State Long Beach. And so I think like, you know, if I could talk to my high school self, I would tell her to just chill out and like do the things you love and not worry about like not horrible, but like, don't worry about the grades. Like just <laughs> what do you like to do? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> mm, absolutely. I mean, I, and then you said you went to, you know, CSULB and then you went to like a community college and then you went to UC Irvine and, and all this. But like, I mean, I'm a big proponent of, I also went to community college yes. for like three years after high school. I'm a huge proponent of going to community college and just like, taking time to mature yourself yes <laughs> because i feel like it's so hard i don't i mean and i know like it's very successful that that um kids do go fr- directly from like high school to university and stuff but like personally i just i was not that person <laughs> Yeah, that was not me either. <laughs> <laughs> like i was not a mature person out of high school so i like take that time for yourself figure it out there's yeah. a lot of great classes in community colleges, like right? lots of mm-hmm. hidden gems there. Yeah, you guys, I'm still so, taking community don't college know classes. Like yeah. I learned, like during the pandemic, I took a beginning strengths class at like Santa Monica College because I wanted to learn how to play the cello. Aww. <laughs> like, it's just you cannot get a better education for such a bargain. It's you such know? a bargain. Like, it's such uh-huh. a bargain. I'm like such a big same. Like I'm such a big fan of like community colleges. I still keep in touch with my journalism professor from El Camino College. We we hang out. It's like I've known her for 20 years. Like she's still a mentor mm-hmm. of mine. I, I feel like 
I had to take such large classes at UC Irvine that I didn't get the individual attention that I got mm. at the community college mm. level. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think slowly, I think slowly with time, the stigma of community college is slowly going away just because yeah. people are starting to realize how expensive college really oh, is. Yeah. And like, <laughs> and also like how much you have, how much student debt you have versus how much you actually start making your first job. It's like, why am I putting myself in so much debt that it's going to be super hard to pay off in the long run? So like if you can start yeah. off community college and not end up in so much debt, it's going to be really helpful for you long term. But yeah. I think, yeah, I think I think slowly like the stigma of community college is starting to go away. Just there's there's just the weird like, oh, if I don't go to a university or a UC or whatever, mm-hmm. Cal State right away, then like and I start community college you feel like you failed, but it's not really. It's like, yeah. That's, yeah. no, you're, no, you're, you're just... still getting an education. You're just being financially smart. Yeah. And not, like, it's not, it's not like, um, oh no, I guess like there's this weird, yeah, weird stigma with community college. Also this weird yeah, absolutely. rag going to a, a college like right away. Yeah, like, getting uh, into universities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's like, it's a weird flex. that I don't think it's like that important anymore. No. That big of a flex, honestly. Yeah. And I don't think anybody like ever told me at least or like our school. I don't think anybody ever told us in high school that like the GEs are literally it's general education. You can learn them anywhere and then transfer them in. Exactly. Why are you spending thousands of dollars each semester when you could spend 200 or whatever? Exactly. Mm. And I think like also I went to a four year college to start because mm-hmm. my mother wanted me to you know it, it, mm-hmm. it's like there's also a lot of like parental pressure to like mm-hmm. i you know i hope that's mm-hmm. not the way it is now but like you know when i was growing up it was like like you had like my mom is asian and so she would compare me to the other like geniuses in my family i was the black sheep and it was like you're oh, going no. to four-year college you know you're going to four-year college you can't embarrass me by going to a two-year college <laughs> and i will say and like, I don't know if she'll listen to this. She probably won't. But she doesn't know to this day. Okay, this is, this is horrible. Like, <laughs> so I was going to El Camino College and she hated that I was going there. Just hated it because mm-hmm. I was embarrassing her. Like, like you know, uh-huh. she wouldn't talk about me to the family. Like, so I lied to her and told her I got into USC. <laughs> and so like, I went to go live with my oh. friend Vicky, who actually was going to USC. And then I spent like, oh like God. a semester like oh, living with her while going to El Camino <laughs> College and finishing up my GE so that I could actually go to a, a four-year college afterwards. That's so I'm funny. so sorry, I'm Mom. Sorry. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, like I, you know, and you only, I only did that because there was so much family pressure to go to a yeah. four-year right, college. Right. And it was like, you guys get off my back. I have enough problems like trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Yeah, so, um, so now that's out in the open. <laughs> hey, it's a different time now. It's a different time. You know, what? that was so long ago. It's not about how you start; it's how you finish. And you're are again. You're writing for animation. You're right. You're doing what you want to do. Best, yeah, you guys. Like again, like you know, I say this a lot, but I look around and I'm just like, what is my life? How did this happen? <laughs> so as as we kind of start to wind down, because I I feel like we can talk to you forever, but as we start to wind down, how do you feel? Growing up in a multicultural household has influenced you and in the work that you do. I always felt like an outsider in my family. Like my, my parents got divorced when I was pretty young. So I lived with like my Vietnamese mm. family. Mm. And I was, you know, to them, I was the white kid in the Vietnamese mm. family, you know, who, who could oh, speak, you know. So mm-hmm. and I also was like the oldest cousin because my mom was the oldest um, or is the oldest in her family of like seven. Wow. Yeah. 
And so, yeah. so I always felt like a black sheep or just out of place in a lot of different ways. Like one education wise, cause you know, we've talked about, I, I wasn't a good student. Um, and two, like, yeah, culturally, like my aunts and uncles would sometimes forget that I could speak the language and they would talk really? about me like in front of me, like, <laughs> uh, and I would answer so... me and they'd be like, Oh yeah, she, she could speak it. She could still speak it. So so it's helped me write, it's helped me get it, like, if there's a character, and there usually are, a character that feels out of place, like Clark Kent, for example, <laughs> like, oh. he's a literal <laughs> alien, you know, uh-huh. like, so, so getting into that feeling, like, really sitting into that feeling again, like, has mm-hmm. absolutely helped me write those types of characters, mm-hmm. because I lived, like, a version of it, like, feeling out of place but i I can also say that i'm sure a lot of people have felt like out of place at least like Mm -hmm. once in their lives yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. i I think that's the biggest the biggest thing and and i cannot think of anything else Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean yeah that that is a really big one yeah yeah i think that's it like i think that's that's what i have for that Sorry, that's so interesting. <laughs> I no, it's totally feel fine. that like not on a cultural level, I guess, but on that level of like you being the oldest, and I guess were you like a lot older than your cousins? I'm, I'm, guessing, yeah, or? I, I was at least like five to six years older than yeah. Than uh, that's that's like that's a gap. Yeah, yeah. this is pretty bit like decent yeah. gap. Yeah, I feel that mm-hmm. too. It's like my brother and I were like our cousins are either like ten years older than us. Or 10 years younger than us. So like whenever we would go to family things, it would either be like, I'm the baby. And then when I like became a teenager, I was like, and now these are the babies and I don't have anyone to talk to. Yeah, like isn't it weird at Thanksgiving? Like you're just like, who do I talk to here? I want to sit with the adults. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I kind of feel that like that gap. Um, I will say though, like it did help. Yeah, like, like I don't remember like, in some conversations we've had about like religion, like in some of the rooms that I've been in, like that's definitely helped because mm-hmm. like I grew up a Buddhist, mm-hmm. like I I'm sort of mm-hmm. kind of spiritual now, but like being able to to speak to that has been pretty cool too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that very vulnerable moment with us, yeah. and thank you for joining us today in general. Oh yeah, of uh, course. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you, and is there anything else you would like to promote? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So I am on Instagram. I have like nine posts because I'm not really a social media person, but I'm <laughs> I'm mortalsyn99. So M-O-R-T-A-L-C-Y-N 99. Nice. I love that. I mean, Great maybe I'll post more. I don't know. And then on Twitter, I'm cinnamon sticks. And I'll spell this for you like I have to spell it for everybody in my life because it is also <laughs> one of my email addresses. Um, it's C-Y-N-N-A-M-O-N-S-H-T-I-C-K-S. Cinnamon sticks. Um, I love it. <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many puns. There's so many layers in there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess like promoting-wise, like just please watch Superman. Like it still has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which yeah. is fucking amazing. And, you know, rightly so because it's an amazing show and our EPs did a fantastic job, like shepherding us into it. It's just all of it. Was, <laughs> all of it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope, I hope the amazingness of working on that show comes through to people who are interested in, in watching it. Cause that was truly a treasured experience for me. And I'm sure everybody in that writer's room. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's awesome. Can I like recommend a Vietnamese restaurant that I really want? 
<laughs> sure. sure. Do so it. Pho 79. So it's like Pho by Jane in, um, I think it's like Westminster, uh, California. And that is by far the best Pho restaurant in Little Saigon. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, my friend just moved away from Westminster. Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll be what I promote. <laughs> I have okay. no affiliation with them. I just love them so much. Even... When they gave me food poisoning when I was in high school, I still go there. That's how good no! it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, as we come to a close, what final advice would you give to those that want to pursue writing for animation? Oh, yeah. Talk to people. Talk to as many people as you can. You know what's really cool? Like, in live action TV, like, people don't use LinkedIn at all, it seems. But hmm. for animation, like, people use it. Like, people actually use LinkedIn. And I've had... Quite a few students reach out to me like through LinkedIn and I'm mm-hmm. happy to give them time when I have it. And, and it's just it's a way to grow your network. Like you, you need to like find a foothold, you know. So with some of these students, like um, if I hear of any sort of opening in like a writer's assistant kind of way, like I'll just send out a mass email to them and I'll be like, hey, like send me some stuff. I'm not making any promises, but I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll send it through. So so I would encourage people yeah, to reach out to people on, on LinkedIn or to go to panels. Like what, when I was starting out, I did a lot of volunteering at the Writers Guild Foundation. And I think they mm-hmm. do some like animation panels, but it was a great way to meet people. And it was a great way to go to events when I was poor because like, we were just like, you know, it was like we would work the events and so we wouldn't have to pay for them. Yeah. And I would also take tons of classes. Cause that's, you know, that's what I did. It, it's helpful, at least for me, maybe it's because of journalism, but it's helpful for me to have a deadline, you know, and classes, will, they have built in deadlines. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's like tons of like mixers and things like the animation guild has a lot of events, right? Like, hmm. so yeah. those are things like, I, I think it's just like, try to talk to as many people as you can and get like all kinds of different perspectives on how each person broke in. Cause it's, it's, everybody has a different story of, of how they mm-hmm. broke in. And then I would also encourage yeah. everybody to continue writing, like to figure out what you like to write, what tone you like to write in and, and just do it. Like start with a spec of an existing show and just do it. Just jump in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's really hard to start from zero. So that's a good point to start with like an existing, like I fear existing spec, yeah. like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like a, soft launch kind of thing you know before you do but also like you know watch a lot of tv you guys like (laughs) that's the fun part you get to sit on your ass and watch tv for like a lot of time this is research (laughs) yeah but like you start to it's crazy like like when you start to watch tv with the intention of breaking down scenes and mm-hmm. figure and like figuring out what like the button like the button joke of a scene is and like what the story arc is like like it becomes super fascinating and it is absolutely research if you're not you know mindlessly watching it and you're actually like studying it as you <laughs> mm-hmm. not very well put for sure well thanks again for joining us today cynthia yeah, thanks and for if you me. audience enjoyed our interview today please rate and follow us on apple spotify or wherever you tune in Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can donate to us at ko-fi.com slash straightaheadap. Shout out to both June Chung and Michael Rodriguez for suggesting Cynthia as a guest. Hi, guys. If you have any suggestions, yeah. <laughs> if you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. 
We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itleon. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.